0: Who amongst us hasn't been an elderly divorcee player? <laughs> uh, I mean me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like minus the divorcee, I'm just a player. But players going to play, right? <laughs> Welcome to Tencent Takes, the podcast where we drag our net through the dredges of comics long forgotten, one issue at a time. My name is Jessica Frazier, and I am joined by my co-host, the clamoring collector, Mike Thompson. Hello. Hello. (laughs) How are
0: you? Oh, I'm doing all right. It's a Tuesday night. I can't complain too much.
1: Yes. Yes. We may release on Thursdays, but we normally record these on Tuesdays.
0: (laughs) On Tuesdays. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just really glad to be out of the torrential downpour that we had for like two and a half weeks straight. And just, we have an opportunity to dry out, so it's nice.
1: I live in a leaky ship, so any opportunity not to be potentially leaking or flooded is just, you know. I really don't want to live at lakefront property. And yeah. that is the jam, or it was for a minute.
0: I was getting real sick of rain, and I normally really like rain. But, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, we're not here to talk about the weather, though. We're here to talk about comics. And if you're new to the show, our main episodes drop every other week and provide in-depth looks into interesting moments in comic books and how they tie into pop culture and history. But today is one of our Dollar Bin Discoveries Many episodes that we do in between those deep dives. We absolutely spend a ton of time just rooting through those dollar bins at our local shops looking for interesting stuff just for you, the listeners. And while a lot of those issues that we find are fun and weird, there may not be quite enough for us to do a deep dive on, at the moment, but we always reserve the right to change our mind later. Each of these episodes feature us both talking about one random issue we came across in the dollar bins. What it is, what goes on inside it, and why it's interesting. So, Mike, this week, what have you brought forth for us?
0: Man, I have been going through that pile of comics that you gave to me right around Christmas, and tonight's is a doozy (laughs) so buckle up
1: oh good Uh, many of those i pulled just based on cover alone as i know lots of us do
0: yeah so you gave me the first two issues of shadowhawk 2 the numbering for shadowhawk is very weird because they eventually kind of renumbered them retroactively and considered it all one series but there's shadowhawk shadowhawk 2 shadowhawk 3 it's It's all the same story. It's the same characters. I think it was Image just trying to generate more sales with the gimmick of new number ones and and also very, very blatant gimmick covers. Totally. So we're going to talk about Shadowhawk 2, number two. This was published in May of 1993 by Image Comics. It was written and penciled by Jim Valentino, who was one of the co-founders of Image backgrounds were done by brad foster it was colored by frank lopez todd broker and rob schaefer there were computer graphics done by glenn kano and it was edited by len Senecle. <laughs> Shadowhawk is this weird character like he's an interesting character design he's got this very shiny set of armor it's almost like an exoskeleton over a, a black bodysuit and he's got glowing red eyes So this issue starts out with Shadowhawk literally brooding in the rain on top of some New York building's gargoyle, and he's monologuing A about how he hates the rain, but then he's also ruminating on his mission to pursue brutal justice against criminals before he vows to go after a copycat who has been attacking and murdering innocent people around the city and using the name Hawk Shadow. And the background to this is that Shadowhawk is a vigilante who has been basically catching criminals in the act, and then he beats them pretty brutally and will finish things off by breaking their spines. Oh. This series is like the perfect example of 90s extreme with a capital X. Yes. It is wild.
1: Extremely broken spines.
0: Yes. So in the previous issue of Shadowhawk 2, number one, it was revealed that Hawk Shadow is operating on racist principles. He first rescues, in air quotes, a white woman who he thinks is being assaulted by a black man because he sees the guy going in for a kiss. And then I think he winds up murdering her when she's like, what are you doing? That's my husband. And he's like, well, that's too bad for you. And that's what? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, OK, so Shadow Hawk sets off to like stop this copycat you know, and basically put it down. And in the meantime, there are a couple of B-plots. Shadow Hawk has found himself on the crosshairs of both the NYPD and a group of superpowered criminals, and each group's plans to deal with the vigilante are interstitched throughout this issue. So the first time we see this, the police decide to reach out to a character named Chapel, who was a team member for Youngblood to try to get him to help them out. And this was when Image was trying to just create a a shared superhero universe. They weren't doing a lot of independent creator-owned stuff that were all like their own thing. And then we cut to the villains, and two of the villains are plotting to take down their leader because they don't want her to pursue her plan to recruit Shadow Hawk into their organization. And then we get to Hawk Shadow, who is at his mom's house, and he's about to go out into the rain to engage in some hate crimes, like you do. And This is not before he kisses his mother goodbye, and he passes a photo of his father, who is apparently dead now. But his father is surrounded by friends, and they are all dressed in clan robes. Um, (laughs) I'm not making this up.
1: God, I really bought you a gem, didn't I?
0: Oh, it gets better.
1: (laughs) Oh, there's more.
0: There's oh, there's just wait. There's more. (laughs) So. Hawk Shadow goes out into the streets and he puts on his armor and then he brutally attacks this trio of young black men and he's spouting a lot of like racist remarks, but they're like cliche racist remarks. It's kind of like, oh, this is what I think someone who's racist would say while he's casually assaulting people.
1: (laughs) Glad this doesn't sound heavy handed at all.
0: Oh, no, not at all. And then Shadowhawk interrupts him. And he basically is like, No, we're on the same side. I'm pursuing your sacred mission of ridding the streets of vermin. And Shadowhawk is like, I've never killed anyone. And then Hawk Shadow says, Oh, but I'm only killing N words with a hard R. <laughs> and,
1: uh,
0: oh, your face. It's. ah uh- oh my god
1: yeah I like I'm yeah that that pause was a real pause everyone that was not a glitch I I don't have words oh
0: it's it's real bad and then uh, okay so Shadowhawk then takes off his mask and reveals that he is a black man underneath and it is a literal it's a fold-out graphic and it was a big deal at the time because they hadn't spoiled his identity until now mm. they'd been like planning some red herrings and stuff like that and then in this issue it is revealed that he is actually a district attorney or maybe former district attorney i don't remember named paul johnstone he is a black man who was attacked by a gang and then they injected him with a vial of hiv positive blood and um then, I, I don't know man it's like we'll get to this in just a sec, but let me get through this and then totally. we can, and then we can discuss the reactions. And that's what ended up sparking his crusade to operate a shadow Hawk. I think it wasn't in this issue, but I think he also had like some, some capsules or like he he had some medication that he would carry with him that he would take when he needed to, because it was implied that like HIV was something that would just like wear you down unless you took certain meds. And, this is the 90s. This is when HIV and AIDS were still not very well understood, but it's really weird because it's such a strange interweaving of this really awful disease into a superior origin story and it just doesn't feel like it works. Well, it
1: feels like a weird, gross way of othering him. It does. Like, further, you know?
0: And Chapel, who was in Youngblood, was also black, and he was also HIV positive, and I think I think they kind of retconned it so that he was just sleeping with women in the African American community so that he could like continue to spread it further. It's real bad and I don't know all the details so I could be misremembering this, but Image in the 90s was, especially when it was founded, was very problematic in a lot of the stories they told because it was that hyper intense male gaze, uber masculine image for all of their characters. Anyway, so long story short, it's not great. Shadowhawk, now that he has revealed his identity, beats the ever-loving shit out of Hawk shadow and nearly kills him before his friend stops him and then they leave just as the police arrive and then the final page ends with one of the cops who wants to take out Shadowhawk on the phone with Chapel from Youngblood. Chapel says he's too busy to deal with Shadowhawk but he knows a guy and then we get this final big splash image Of a dude who looks like the most 90s 90s guy who ever 90s. Like he is (laughs) he is named Slaughter. His entire like his entire design shtick is the word hope crossed out with like a no symbol. Yes. Um, (laughs) Like like I think he's wearing a trench coat with the sleeves torn off too. It's a (laughs) it's a lot. I remember reading this issue. When it came out. Oh. It was kind of a big deal because it was like, oh, this is the issue where Shadowhawk's secret identity is revealed. And I thought it was kind of weird. I was like, this feels like it came out of nowhere. Like Valentino's art, though, is super dynamic, but it's weird how many two page splashes there are throughout this. And then there's the fold out page and it feels really awkward. Mm. And this was the era of gimmicks. If I remember right, the third issue is a fold out cover where you unfold it and you see Paul unmasked holding the mask above his head. But it's like, you know, (laughs) it's like a full length thing where you unfold it and it's like the cover is his head and then there's the cover above him or the panel above him with his arms and then the last one is the mask. It's a lot. Okay, (laughs) It is, it's certainly not the worst thing I've ever read but is also definitely something that has aged very poorly in the 30 years Mm. since this came out. Going through all of these plot details about the series and its overall themes, it's just bizarre to see how topical it was trying to be and how flat it falls. And Mm. they also like really call out the use of the N-word, and it's really shocking now seeing it. Back then, it felt uncomfortable. These days, it's like a hard stop that really grinds everything to a halt. Rather than being a dramatic moment. Because they also. They make a point of like calling it out. Where it's a black panel. And it's just the word in white text. And and it's big. And you're just like. Mm. That doesn't. That that feels real bad now. (laughs) Um, Yeah. This was the era though. Where it was like the inner city crime stories. Were kind of a real big storytelling trope. And. I remember like. The Death Wish movies were on like four or five, I think, at this point.
1: Oh, okay, yeah.
0: Like this was this was an era where this kind of story wasn't exactly uncommon, but it's it's a uh, it's a doozy to read.
1: Damn. Well, I really so thanks for that. That, that one two punched, <laughs> didn't I?
0: <laughs> it's a thing.
1: Dang! I was like, "Ooh, shiny cover. He's gonna like this." I don't know what this is, but it's shiny.
0: It's. I, re- I was sitting there and I'm like oh hell yes I remember this trash and I was like I remember it I was like wait is this the one where oh it is oh man I I don't think I ever read the third issue of this volume like I, I think that this was the issue where I was like no nah, you know what I'm good like I was 12 when I read this the first time and Damn. I was like I think I'm good I don't need to come back to this anymore
1: <laughs> damn and we like if if anything you are a person that just steams on to see if it gets any better
0: sometimes but i don't yeah. know anyway well, that's fun all right i and i feel a little bad that i actually went first cuz i feel like i may have sucked all the air out of the room with this one
1: that's that's okay i have a better one than that one okay all right lay it on me <laughs> because i recently read starhenge book 1 The Dragon and the Boar, and that's issue number one, published by Image Comics in July of 2022. And it was written, illustrated, and lettered by Liam Sharp with additional Mm -hmm. art by Matilda McCormick Sharp, a font by Dave Gibbons, designed by Liam Sharp. Liam Sharp, my dude. This was epic.
0: Yeah. So you know that Liam Sharp actually lives in the Bay Area or yeah, no, he's still in the Bay Area. He's moving back to Britain soon, but. He's in the East Bay.
1: Liam Sharp, hit us up. (laughs) We should hit you up.
0: (laughs) He is the nicest dude. I got to meet him. So I've also read Starhenge. It's excellent. I actually took a day off of work to go to Flying Colors Comics in Concord the day that the comic launched because Liam Sharp was there signing copies.
1: Oh, that's so cool.
0: Yeah, like just a lovely human being and just a phenomenal artist. The dude has been working in comics since the 80s i think he started out with marvel uk that's where i discovered him at least and Mm. like true artist his style is so amazing and so versatile
1: yeah no for sure it was it's beautiful the plot in a nutshell introduced the characters and the world there's some time jumping so we start in a spaceship in 2112 where astronauts are doing some excursions to a planet in the Goldilocks zone, which had ruins but no signs of life. When the astronauts get there, however, they are attacked by machine-like entities that attach themselves to the astronauts, sucking information about their species and giving the robots an enemy so they can create these heinous-looking robots that are human-like, using the skin of the astronauts to cover the faces of the bots. (laughs) <laughs> eerie as fuck definitely happy valley nightmare situation so the majority of the rest of the issue sets us up in what is presented as current day and we meet the narrator of the story who's an english wiccan high schooler living in the u.s and dating the star football player we then hop to the future where a man named Wilde is introduced in all of his futuristic glory Also showing that he's very much the ladies' man and is called upon by his mother to go back in time and assist in the battle that is raging. And that is where we leave off. So first thing you need to know about this comic, like I said, it's gorgeous. It's an absolute masterpiece. Sharp's art has this like chaotic, magical realism thing happening Mm -hmm. where... There are smooth, almost realistic drawings intermeshed with these fantastical, futuristic backgrounds. And how the panels are arranged also changes as the story goes between times, so that's really fun and interesting to see. It's also, it's funny that you say that he's in the Bay Area and it makes a lot of sense because it's also set in Contra Costa County.
0: Yeah, which is like right where he lives. So, Oh, well, that makes so
1: much sense. This makes so much sense because they're like talking about Mount Diablo and the surrounding area. And, you know, I love stories that close to home. So that was really cool to kind of hear yeah. all of those neat little details because my, my parents actually grew up in Contra Costa County.
0: Oh, shit. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. So my, my dad went to Mount Diablo High. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, cuz after we were living in San Francisco, we moved to the East Bay and we were living in the Contra Costa County area too. So
1: Oh, that's funny. My
0: teen years were in the Contra Costa County and so Flying Colors uh-huh. Comics, which is where Free Comic Book Day was basically created by owner Joe Field, they're in Concord. So that became my high school comic shop after the next closest one to me folded.
1: That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I, my parents whisked me away to the Bay Area when I was one year old. And so I did not actually grow up there, but I was born in Contra Costa County. So, oh, wild. Fun facts. So, back to the comic. I am definitely intrigued at how this whole time jumping thing is going to take place. Um, they're calling the the time the people who are going between time mer people so that's super fun and at one point there's even like the likeness of what we would call a merman but not exactly what you might be thinking so i'm definitely going to seek out more issues of this cuz it is fascinating and gorgeous and yes
0: i think the collected edition is coming out soon
1: Oh, well, shit, I'm just going to wait for that then. Yeah, 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 because I would love to have all of this condensed into one story where I could enjoy it as a trade.
0: Yeah, the other thing to note is that Liam Sharp has done a couple of art books. He just kickstarted his third one. It's like a set of three. I really recommend checking out those books. They are incredible.
1: Yeah, I'll have to check out his Kickstarter for sure. Dang. Yeah. Lots to look up. Well, I think that is it for this evening. Thank you for joining us. And we are going to have another deep dive episode next week. But until then, we will see you in the stacks. Thanks for listening to Tencent Takes. Accessibility is important to us, so text transcriptions for each of our published episodes can be found on our website.
0: This episode was hosted by Jessica Frazier and Mike Thompson, written by Mike Thompson and Jessica Frazier and edited by Jessica Fraser and Mike Thompson. Our intro theme was written and performed by Jared Emerson Johnson of Bay Area Sound. Our credits and transition music is Pursuit of Life by Avin McDonald and was purchased with a standard license from Premium Beat. Our banner graphics were designed by Sarah Frank, who you can find at lookmomdraws.com. If you'd
1: like to get in touch with us, ask us questions, or tell us about how we got something wrong, please head over to 10 or shoot an email to 10 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter, for now. The official podcast account is Tencent Takes. Jessica is Jessica Witha, and Mike is Van Sau, V-A-N-S-A-U. We're also on Hive, Mastodon, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. The complete list is in the show notes.
0: If you'd like to support us, be sure to download, rate, and review wherever you listen.
1: Stay safe out there.
0: And support your local comic shop.